0: And welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week three, it's come and gone, and now we await the start of week four in just one more day. Before we get to today's episode, we wanted to tell you about our last. We released our week three recap that broke down Saturday's biggest games, including South Alabama's Power Five win. Plus, Caden and I reviewed all the must know storylines ahead of week four. If you missed it, make sure you go back and give it a listen. Today, it's episode 118 of the show, and we are excited to welcome our latest Sunbelt athlete of the season to the Prairie & Smith podcast. Each Wednesday throughout the season, we're talking to the league's biggest stars. Caleb Hood's been on. TJ Finley joined us last week. Today's a premier one, and we've still got plenty left in the tank. With that said, Caden, why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's special guest?
1: Yeah, we have a super special one this week. No, it's a guy that everyone, I feel like in the country, not only the group of five level, but the power five level is familiar with. It's none other than Coastal Carolina quarterback, Grayson McCall, a guy I've obviously played against. Didn't have a fun time doing that all the time, but had a great time with him on the podcast, getting to know more about him off the field, his journey to Coastal Carolina and all that good stuff we love to get into in these player interviews.
0: Well, let's be honest, K, not many people have had great games against Grayson McCall. A little bit more on Grayson. He was an under-recruited quarterback out of Indian Trail, North Carolina, a suburb of Charlotte. He committed to Coastal Carolina and enrolled during the 2019 season. After red-shirting, he's gone on to become a household name, as you mentioned, Caden, not only in the Sun Belt, but nationally. He's become the only Sun Belt football player to ever be named Conference Player of the Year three times. During his career, Grayson has been a multi-time All-American while also garnering recognition from some of college football's most recognized awards. Grayson's name is synonymous with winning. Coastal football teams have gone a combined thirty-three and eight during the four years that he's been the Shawneeclear starting quarterback. This year, he's gotten off to another fast start, a start that has seen him throw for over seven hundred yards and be responsible for four passing touchdowns through three games. Grayson continues to prove why he's one of the biggest stars in the Sun Belt. His Shawneeclear's legacy is already secured. And now he hopes to cap off what will be a Hall of Fame career by bringing home that ever elusive first Sunbelt championship in program history this fall. Well, let's not waste any more time. Coastal Carolina's Grayson McCall is here. It's time to hear from one of the premier quarterbacks in college football. Well, we are really excited to be joined by Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall on the Frarian Smith Podcast. Grayson, we've been trying to make this happen for a while. Thanks for finally coming on. Absolutely, guys. Well, Grayson, let's jump right in. You grew up in Indian Trail, North Carolina. It's a town of a population of, you know, about 40,000 now. There's been a lot of growth lately. It's the same hometown as another quarterback, uh, Sam Howell, who's the current starter uh, for the Washington Commanders. Two potential NFL quarterbacks from one town. How's that happened, Grayson? Yeah,
2: you know, um, you know just, just a small town, guys growing up loving ball. Um, obviously got to um, play against Sam growing up, middle school and high school, being um, kind of crosstown rivals just down the street from one another. But, um, you know, just two kids that, that, that just love ball and um, just work really hard to, to accomplish their goals and kind of fell into really good positions in college and um, have been able to do some good things. And, um, you know, I think in the years to come, you're going to start seeing a lot of a lot more players, you know, out of the Charlotte area and Indian Trail, Union County in specific. But, um, you know, a great area for for football and not only football, but um, see a lot of good basketball and baseball players coming out. So um, shout out Indian Trail, North Carolina and, you know, shout out Porter Ridge High School.
1: For sure, Grayson, happy to have you back on the show after talking to you in media days. But 2019 was your first year in Kanye at the t- Conway. It was at the time kind of, you were an unknown commodity. You were an under-recruited prospect. Why did you choose Coastal Carolina? And thinking back to that time, what were some of your early early goals and dreams as you were a freshman, kind of entering into that role?
2: Yeah, so my recruiting process was a lot different than most people. Um, You know, it kind of started late in my junior year. Just um, got a few opportunities, some small schools, FCS programs, and then um, a few FBS programs came later. But um, you know at the time I ran a very similar offense in high school, kind of a two back triple option system um, that I ran really well. Um, wasn't able to throw it around as much as I wanted to in high school. so I think that maybe um, you know took a little bit of a toll on my recruiting, but you know coastal gave me a chance late, um, got the opportunity to come down here, go to a camp, throw in front of the coaches, um, and that went really well. and then, um you know just as a kid growing up coming to Myrtle Beach on vacation, um I knew this place was home as soon as I got to got to campus and got to meet the staff and everything like that. So, um, you know, it was kind of a match made in heaven. And, and uh, you know, the rest is history. We're here now. But, um, you know, in 2019, just some of the goals getting on campus was to just kind of prove myself and, you know, uh, you know, gain the respect of my teammates. Um, coming in as a freshman is always tough. And, um, you know, as a quarterback, you want to be a leader um, in everything you do. But as a freshman, you're kind of um, trying to figure out your way um, on campus, in the locker room, you know, just life in general, going through. Um, a pretty tough transition. So, um, you know, my biggest goals were just to build relationships with the guys around me and um, build the trust of my coaches and, and get that respect from my teammates. And that was um, by showing up every day and going to work and making sure I was doing the right things off the field as well. So, um, you know, as a freshman, it's always a tough transition. But um, for me, being able to redshirt and uh, kind of see how the positions played and how the offenses ran was really big for me. And um, I feel like that ultimately led into, into my success the next year.
0: Now, Grayson, you know, you've been the starter since 2020. That next year, you've grown a lot on the field. We've seen you grow up over these last four years, but off the field, where would you say you've maybe grown the most since that freshman season?
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, a lot of people would say the same things and it's just kind of getting into the, the the college system of of time management as a student athlete and um, you know, making sure you're, you're, you're making the most of your opportunities and the most of your time. So obviously um, the transition was tough early, just getting on, you know, as a freshman, you have a class, you're overloaded with classes, trying to um, get all the the important major classes and the prerequisites down. And at the same time I'm coming in, I'm, I'm 180 pounds. I'm trying to put on weight and grow muscle and, and get faster and, you know, you know, learn the system at the same time. So um, I feel like just, I, I grew up a lot that year, the, my maturity levels, you know, raised and, and, um, you know, just in terms of, time management and figuring out a daily routine that I could get used to and stick to. Um, so I think that was really big for me. And, um, you know, that routine kind of just followed year after year. And here I am kind of doing those same things. You know, it, it kind of changes each year with the schedule and and things that you like to do. And, um, you know, I, I kind of grow off that and kind of add or, you know, drop some things um, that my, my daily routine that, I, that I've stuck with for a while. So I would say that was probably the biggest thing for me early.
1: And no one mentioned that 2020 season. That was where your team really rose to national prominence as your first year as a starter. Y'all host college game day. You defeat number 10, top 10 BYU at the time has Zach Wilson opposite on the quarterback side for you. Y'all finish 11 and one. Plus, you got a ton of national attention, national recognition and those awards that you got. What was that year like for you just being such a big deal and such a big year for the program and it being also your first year as a starter?
2: Yeah, man, it was, it was almost like a like a big dream. It was kind of crazy. Me and uh, some of my teammates were actually talking about it a few days ago. It always seems to come back into conversation. But it was just a really weird year, you know. Obviously, with COVID, um, rules are changing all the time. We're in the in the facilities with big masks and face shields on, and meeting outside, doing Zoom meetings, and and then you know h- half the year we're here, and then you know we're they're taking people off campus and making everything remote. And um, for me, everything just happened really fast. Obviously, I redshirted the year before, and. Um, got named the starter really about a week before the the season opener, and um, for me it was just you know having that that confidence as a player that I had in high school, and and um, you know relying on my training and knowing the type of player I am, and, and just trusting the guys around me, and um, you know going into that year we're picked to finish last in the Sun Belt after you know two back to back five and seven years, and um, you know we just go out there and we start winning games and, and get a little bit of momentum, and then we go to Louisiana, um, you know week four of the year on the road against a ranked opponent, and um, play really well and come out of there with a the win. and It's like, holy crap, like, um, you know, we were a 5-7 team last year that nobody talked about. We just um, beat a ranked opponent on the road and, you know, we're rolling. We're feeling good. Everything's going our way. And, um, you know, I'm getting some national attention. The team's getting national attention. and It just all happened really fast, but I feel like we handled it really well um, and just kind of rolled with it, took the momentum into each week. And then, um, you know, we're we're nine 9-10-0. We're playing on college game day against Zach Wilson and BYU. And, um, it was just crazy to see how the community got behind us and supported us and, and, um, you know, how the, the students on campus reacted. And um, it was just really big for the school and, and the community and, you know, Myrtle Beach and Conway, South Carolina as a whole. So, um, you know, really, really huge year for us. And, you know, a year we'll never forget, obviously, um, wasn't able to finish, you know, the way we wanted to. And um, we thought maybe we could potentially get into a New York, New York Six Bowl and, and things like that. But, um, an unbelievable year, one I'll never forget, and, you know, one that kind of um, started the journey for me, so forever grateful for, um, you know, obviously the coaching staff, but the guys around me, and just that experience as a whole was really
0: good for me and my career. Grayson, were you surprised that the Mullets kind of took on a life of their own that year? Yeah,
2: it, it was kind of crazy, you know, we get some national attention behind it, and the next thing you know, we're kind of known for for Mullets on, on the teal turf, so uh, it, it was pretty cool to to kind of see, you know, us kind of put the nation on notice, and and uh, you know a lot of people get behind us as as we were kind of an underdog going
0: into that year. Now is that a staple for you for the rest of your playing career? Or is it going to go away at some point?
2: Yeah, man. You know I got I got I got to keep it going for the for this last year. So uh, feel like it's done me well so far. And uh, you know I, I I didn't think it was right to to not do it one last
0: time. Now Grayson, jumping ahead to the end of last year, you were forced to miss a multiple weeks with a lower body injury. You rehabbed around the clock and ultimately returned uh, for that title game. What did you have to put your body through in order to return for that game against Troy?
2: Yeah, you know, it was tough. You know, the type of player I am, I really, um, you know, I really put my body on the line in a lot of situations. I really tell my teammates, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to win. And, um, you know, I I truly believe that um, when push comes to shove and we need an extra two yards, you know, I'm willing to put my body on the line. And, um, you know, unfortunately sometimes injuries happen and um, it doesn't go the way it's planned. So, um, it was just kind of a decision that was made during the season. I probably could have, you know, maybe missed a week or two and pushed through and played some of those last games. But um, with us beating Southern Miss and kind of clinching on um, the eastern side, you know, we were already in. So the best decision was to rest up and get ready for the for the championship game. And, um, you know, ultimately going into that game, I didn't feel great. I was maybe 75 or 80%. Um, but just, you know, constant rehab and at the same time trying to stay in the room and, and be in tune with the game plan. and. Um, almost serve serve as another coach and help the younger guys and, um, you know Jared Guest and the quarterbacks that had to be ready to play. So, um, it was tough, but you know ultimately it comes with it. And um, I I think I really did a great job this off season and, and and continue to do a good job throughout the season of um staying on top of of my you know recovery and maintaining the health of my body. So, um, that's a big thing for me. But like I said, the type of player I am, I know it comes with it. So you know my my responsibility is to stay on top of that and. And, uh, you know, be available for my teammates for every game.
1: I'm sure your teammates love and respect that about you, especially at the quarterback position. But after that championship game, it was announced that Jamie Chawell will be departing from the program, heading to Liberty after the Sunbelt championship. And I know even as my a player myself in my final year, I was curious what it would look like in the transfer portal, what opportunities would present themselves. But Coach Tim Beck comes in. You decide to stay and stay with him. What were those conversations like with Tim Beck and what did it ultimately kind of feel right? What made it feel right to stay in Conway? Yeah,
2: you know, I got the, you know, kind of the 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 utmost respect for Coach Beck, just the way he handled everything as a first-year head coach. Um, it was tough. You know, I'd never been through a transition like that. Um, a lot of the guys' reactions were – it was a negative reaction coming into it. And my message to the guys was just to kind of be optimistic about it and, you know, welcome them with open arms. Like, this is our program and this is something that we've built. And, um, you know, Coach Beck did a really good job of coming in and not trying to change everything. Yeah, he – he uh, made some staff changes and he made some things his way. But, um, you know, his philosophy was you guys have had a lot of su- success here in the past. What you guys have already built is really good. Now, you know, let's stack on top of it and build upon what we already have. So um, I just re- remember when I did enter the portal sitting in coach Beck's office and I'm um, just talking ball, just sitting down, he got on the board. We're just talking ball. We're drawing up plays. Um, just kind of his his identity on offense and what he likes to do. And, and then he brings in a really, you know, he brings in a really experienced staff guys from all over the country that have won a lot of football games and um, developed a lot of really good players and, and pushed them to the next level. And then um, obviously what coach Beck's done, the guys he's been around was really encouraging for me, but um, just, just kind of the the mindset he had and um, how he, he kind of just welcomed me with open arms. And it wasn't that, you know, you shouldn't go anywhere. Your Your best decision is to stay here because I'm here. It was really, I want you to sit down and think about this and, um, you know, he put on the table what he had to offer and that um, he was going to make every change possible and that this was my team and and that I could take us wherever we wanted to go. So, you know, that's really encouraging, kind of, you know, talking to a guy that you don't really know and just kind of building that relationship. But, um, you know, on a, per- a personal side of things, before he even came in, you know, it was tough for me to enter the portal just because of how much I love this place, um, the relationships I've built. Um, you know, you know, my best friends for life go to school here. They're my teammates, and. Um, You know, it's really important for me after, you know, deep thought and consideration that I do want to graduate from this place. I want to be in the Coastal Carolina Hall of Fame one day. And that's not possible if I don't graduate from the university. Um, So just a lot of things going into it. You know, I really do love this place. Um, Kind of the one of the few schools to give me an opportunity and kind of let my career take off. So really appreciate Coach Beck and, um, you know, what he did throughout that process. And, um, you know, it was a really tough process, but he was definitely there to, to kind of help me through and guide me through it.
0: Yeah, Grayson, it's certainly interesting to hear because in this ever evolving world of college football, you know, it almost feels like legacy gets forgotten. And I think what you've just said there is that, you know, one out over maybe some quick instant gratification. Um, Grayson, we got to talk at media days and the whole world got to see, you know, in the offseason, you put in a lot of work to transform your body. Uh, What were your main motivations for that? And now three weeks into the season, have you felt like that has really helped you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it all goes back to, you know, my goals going into the season and kind of something we just talked about, uh, about, you know, uh, maintaining my health and being available for every game. And um, we felt that if I put on some extra weight, some extra muscle that, um, you know, that would kind of take care of those knick-knack injuries and things like that. And, uh, you know, I feel great. I've actually, for the first time in, you know, three, four years, I've been able to maintain the weight. Um, that I'm at going into the season which as as UK and you guys know as football players like it's tough throughout camp to maintain your weight day in and day out like you can go play a game and lose six or seven pounds and if you don't take care of your body and and get on top of your nutrition like you you won't recover and you won't be able to put the weight back so um, I think it you know obviously it happens in the weight room and it happens with our nutritionists and and it's a lot of individual work away from the facility just taking care of my my body and, and, and eating and things like that but um, my, my coaches are joking with me at one play last week. They're like, you know, 20 pounds ago, you probably would have took that one to the house or, uh, <laughs> and then like the next drive, it's like, it's third and 10. And I, I, the guy makes contact with me like eight yards and I kind of fall forward for two yards. So, you know, I got to go over there and I was like, you know, 20 pounds ago, I wouldn't have got that first down, you know, I would have been on my back. So, uh, they kind of mess with me about it. Cause you know, maybe I don't feel as fast as I used to, but, uh, I feel really good out there and, you know, I feel strong and I feel comfortable. So everything's been good.
1: Grayson, we also talked this offseason about you picking up this new offense under Coach Beck and Trickett, running a different scheme than you're accustomed to in the past. Now that you've faced a few different teams that aren't your own team in spring ball or in fall camp, how do you feel as far as the point guard of this off- offense and being able to be comfortable and your ability to operate in it now?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with it as we go. Obviously, um, it's kind of week to week. Things change. There's variables. You know, you have game-specific looks and ideas you want to get to. Um, but all of them come from a root of plays, you know, your base playbook. And, um, you know, I feel really comfortable each week. I've, I've kind of gained more confidence just being out there and, and getting more reps in the system and um, just being on the same page with Coach Trick and Coach Beck in terms of what they like to get to and in, in, in situational football. And um, we get it down in the red zone or third and short, third and long, those type of things. And um, like I said, I'm gaining more confidence every week. I know I have great guys around me that, it, you know, if I do my job, you know, great things can happen. So um Feel really really comfortable in the system right now, and I really like what we're doing. I uh, feel like we're in a really good spot going forward.
0: Now you had a career high in passing attempts against UCLA. Have you enjoyed slinging the rock a little bit more this year?
2: I have, man. Indeed, I have. Um, you know, I, I'm glad that they trust me back there to to, to handle the you know the protections and um, the progressions and things like that, and they trust me with the ball to to um, facilitate it to the right guys. So um, you know, I really enjoy sitting back there throwing around a little bit.
0: Now, Grayson, two of your favorite targets this year, once again, Jared Brown, Sam Pinkney. they're, you know, two of the top wide receivers in the Sun Belt. Sam is a bigger veteran guy, likes to operate on that outside. You see Jared, you know, kind of, you know, his versatility on full display this year. What's impressed you with each of their games in the time that you've spent with them?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll start with Sam. Just, um, you know, I feel like Sam's really taking that next step this offseason in, in terms of a leadership role. If you guys know Sam he's a phenomenal player but he's kind of he's a, he's a quiet guy really and unless you you know really get to know him and um, I, I think he's done a really good job taking that next step of being a vocal leader he's always been the guy that's going to show you how to do it and lead by example but I feel like he's done a really good job just you know kind of taking control of the room and uh, and and being that guy they can look up to and lead and then obviously um, you know going into the season the, the scouts and everybody is questioning his speed and um, you know yards after catch and And his ability to go up and high point the ball as a bigger guy, you know, that's what they want to see. And um, I think he's put a really, you know, a lot of really good things on tape so far. Being able to win the one-on-one matchups, doing something with the ball after he catches it. um, And, you know, just kind of fight through contact and making those big plays. So I feel like he's making strides and he's done a really good job. And then, Jared, you talk about a guy like Jared that um, kind of first year playing a lot last year. He wins, uh, you know, freshman of the year, has a bunch of yards. You know, he's kind of getting the national attention. Um, you know I just sat down and talked to him because you know obviously I went through that as a young player and um, it's hard because you're you're hearing all these things you can let it get to your head and you know I remember um, in the spring just just kind of one week just kind of noticing that you know maybe he was off maybe you know feeling a little complacent maybe um, big and then dude like you talk to him one day and it's like ever since that day like the kid is head down working like I'm gonna work like I'm trying to earn a spot on the field and he comes to work every single day and um, I mean, you see it, he he goes out there and he runs by people and, and, you know, makes the big plays and makes guys miss. So um, I think he's done a great job of kind of growing up and taking that next step and um, maturing into the role that he's in. Cause um, like he, he's another, you know, leader in that room. And a lot of guys look up to him and what he's done. So, um, his career is still early. I know the other day where he was talking about getting a vet day. I was like, dude, you're you're young, bro. Like you haven't even played enough football games. Like you can go out there and run as much as you can. But uh, love both those guys. They they've been doing a great job, and you know I love throwing the ball. Well.
1: Definitely got a dynamic duo of receivers out there, but a consistent area of your game, Grayson, that I feel like is underrated at this point, just because some of the national attention you get in the buzz is your ability, ability to avoid those interceptions. You never thrown more than three in a season. I know you don't want to give away all your secrets, but maybe what are some of your keys to ball security and just being elite specifically in that area?
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously the first game was a little rough for me. Um, Obviously through two for the first time in my career. And, um, you know, UCLA really kind of got off, got after the passer and, um, had a really good front four and, and obviously some good guys in the back end. But, um, you know, as a quarterback, it's tough because you have to make decisions and you have to make them really fast. And um, if you get to the point as a quarterback where you start second guessing those decisions, it's not great. So, I mean, obviously I, I always tell the guys at practice me, me and the DBs get into it a good bit, you know, just talking, but um, I'm always like, that's great, great coverage, but it's a better ball. And when it's a better ball, you can't do anything about it. Um, so I think it just comes down to, you know, timing and, and location of the ball and um, throwing the ball away from defenders, and obviously, you know, you'll have those balls that the uh, the you know that get tipped up, and you have unfortunate picks, and um, you know, I obviously fully take responsibility for the first two and the UCLA game, but just you know, being being an elite decision maker and and um, you know, sticking with that decision, and then just you know, trusting trusting your training and um, relying on your footwork and your arm to make the throw, and just um, putting it in a good spot and giving your guy a chance, and um, you know, Coach Beck and Coach Tricky have really coached me into that um this year just giving your guy giving your guy a chance you know um they tell me I'm gonna throw more interceptions in this system because we take more chances and we throw it down the field more and um that was kind of hard for me to to understand at first but I mean it's true and um but you know my job is to just you know trust trust what I see and um react to it and give my guys a chance so uh those are all the secrets I can give away.
0: Now, Grayson, everyone knows that you're a fierce competitor on the field. I've even heard that you're quite the trash talker out there. Uh, you don't back down from anyone, and you really you back it all up with your play. What fuels that fire and kind of acts as your motivation?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes back to to my underdog mentality. Just um, kind of being overlooked my whole career and not, you know, not really getting the respect I, I feel like that I deserve. And um, that just goes back to you know me in high school not really getting recruited and. Um, having in you know in my opinion three really good years here and um obviously i have I have the respect for some people and um things like that, but it just comes from you know kind of the way I was raised, the way I was brought up, and um, my mentality when I know i'm a quarterback, but you know when i 'm on the football field it's it's uh it's a kill mindset, and it's um you know to do whatever I can to to get my team to win the football game so um, just comes from my mindset and the way I prepare and um, you know I love this game and I, I put so much into it and um, train. For 12 months just to get, you know, 12 or 13 opportunities to play a football game. So uh, really make sure every time I get the opportunity to go out there that I leave everything out there and uh, don't have any regrets at the end.
1: Well, you're an underdog turned one of the most kind of highly regarded quarterbacks in the country now. And now with being a college athlete in today's world, that comes with NIL. I know a lot of outsiders feel and have different opinions about NIL, but they don't truly experience like you do as a forward-facing figure at the Group of Five level. What has NIL been like that from you, and maybe what have you learned from it?
2: Yeah, it's it's been pretty cool, man. Obviously, we're a couple of years into it now, and um, it started it started relatively slow for me, obviously. Um, but as we've gotten more into it, I've got to do some really cool things and had some really cool opportunities, and um, that's something we're continuing to build here at Coastal. We got a collective, a group of guys that are doing a really good job, and. Um you know I encourage our guys to to get a marketing team and uh I work with a group um called e s m Everett sports marketing out of um greenville and uh they do a really good job and and you know they um they kind of allow me to keep uh the main thing the main thing and they kind of do the dirty work and um you know kind of pitch my brand and advertise my brand to these companies that are willing to work with me and um I feel like they've done a really good job of allowing me to um to work with local brands in the Myrtle Beach and Conway area. kind of help spread the word of small businesses and, and things like that. Obviously I got to do a really cool thing um, going to Darlington and doing the NASCAR stuff and um, got the opportunity to do the Tom Brady gig and things like that. So um, obviously there's, there's a lot of smaller things, you know, a lot of social media stuff that you see, but um, you know, just having the opportunity to, to gain, um, you know, a little bit from, you know, my name image and likeness is really cool. And, uh, it's been a cool journey and, you know, we're going to continue to build the brand and see where it goes.
0: Now, you mentioned the Tom Brady thing. I heard that underwear model was not something that you wanted to do. That
2: is correct. You heard right. That is correct.
0: Now, Grayson, uh, you know, many people are familiar with you on the field, but off the field, what are some of your hobbies and interests? How do you spend your time when you're not playing football?
2: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, growing up, I was a, I also played baseball and basketball. And um, so I like to go out and shoot hoops with the guys and, um, you know, recently about a year ago, got into golf, and um, every time I get a chance, I, we played a lot this summer. And uh, all my roommates are big time golfers. You know, I'm not, I'm not great, but I'm improving. Um, but you know, I like to get out there and play, and it's just, you know, it's always good vibes out there. And um, obviously, we don't have much time to do it, but uh, you know, we like to play video games, Madden, Call of Duty. We got a PGA 2K23 game that we play, but um, you know, when I'm not doing that. Uh, we got some some local ponds on the area, golf course ponds. I like to go fishing. And um, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm usually watching film or trying to get some rest. But um, those are some things I like to do in my free time.
1: Grayson, looking at this Thursday night matchup against an undefeated Georgia State team, Darren Granger, the quarterback on the other side of you, he's a Conway native. He's coming off of an electric game where he had 466 yards and four touchdowns on the day. I know your job is to focus more on the opposing defenses and not their quarterbacks. But how much do you follow the other quarterbacks in the league and maybe beyond across college football?
2: yeah you know i like i like to uh i like to watch the quarterbacks in the sun belt for sure obviously uh Granger's been in the league for a few years and um I've had the opportunity to play against him and obviously he's a dual threat guy that can um really hurt you with his arm and his leg so um I know our defense will be prepared and ready to go against him but um definitely have respect for him and the way he plays the game but um you know i i'm I'm a football guy i love watching football and um you know maybe if I can pick up just a thing or two. Um, that somebody's doing that I like and want to embrace and kind of, you know, bring that into my game. But I'm a football guy, man. love watching football. And um, throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of these guys, whether it be at, you know, the Manning Passing Academy the past couple of years or or to play against them. So uh, I enjoy keeping up with them and, um, and communicating with them. I mean, I know it's tough as, as a college football player, you kind of get tied up and into everything during the season. So I like to, you know, just reach out to them and, um uh, maybe maybe send a positive message or, or something like that and just stay in touch. So um, been really cool to kinda of meet those guys and, and watch their careers.
0: Now, Grayson, before we get to some rapid fire questions, we'll end with this. Grayson McCall, you're the three time Sunbelt Player of the Year. You're a multi-time All American and one of the most decorated players in Coastal Carolina history. In your mind, what's left for you to accomplish in college football?
2: Sunbelt Championship. That's what's left. And um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna graduate from this university and um, you know, leave a legacy that that's never, you know, kind of come through um, Coastal Carolina. And, you know, my ultimate goal is to leave this place better um, than it was when I got here. So confident that I'm going to finish this thing out the right way and uh, leave this place better than I found it.
1: We're definitely wishing you the best of luck on that journey. And like Noah said, we're going to hit you with three quick rapid fire questions before we get out. Sound good? Let's do it. First one, Grayson McCall, what is the toughest defense you've ever had to play against?
2: I will say the toughest defense I've played against was that BYU defense in 2020.
1: Definitely a solid group. And what's your favorite destination to travel to when you like to get away from Conway, get away from North Carolina, maybe?
2: Let's see. Last spring break, I had the opportunity to go to the Bahamas with some of my best friends, Um, and we had a great time. So I would say that that's up there right now.
1: Last one. And a very important one, given y'all's uniform combinations, we have to know helmet, Jersey pants. What is Grayson McCall's favorite coastal Carolina uniform combo?
2: All right. I would say either the icy whites, which we are wearing on Thursday night, the all whites or, um, all white, but teal pants got to mix a little teal in there. So I would go white, white teal pants, white socks, white cleats.
0: Well, definitely a fresh look there. Grayson, we've really enjoyed talking with you today. We've enjoyed kind of getting to know you a little bit better. Certainly wish you and your teammates uh, good luck Thursday night against Georgia State and throughout the rest of this year.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Kane, I got to admit, Grayson has been a bit of our white whale. We've been chasing him since we started this podcast. We finally got this interview done, and it did not disappoint.
1: Yeah, we got to talk to him a little bit in media days, but actually getting him onto the podcast for an in depth conversation, really breaking down his career was definitely a white whale for us. Definitely something we were happy to get. And I'm sure the listeners were happy to get to know a little about a little bit more about him. I feel like His just career is so prolific and so dominant and just so well covered on the field. I mean, if you go to Coastal Carolina's website and look at the amount of accolades and accomplishments this guy has, it's through the roof. It's absurd. But actually getting to know him off the field, getting to show fans that inside of what he's like, maybe past those accomplishments, past everything we know about him was super great to kind of dive into and get to know.
0: Ken, I don't know about you, but my favorite part of that interview was just hearing him talk about his time at Coastal Carolina, his love of that university. He flirted with leaving, uh, you know, in the offseason decides to stay because it sounds like legacy was really important for Grayson McCall.
1: Yeah. And you touched on it as well in the conversation. I think that's something in this new era of college football where it's just more of just in general across all sports. It's just an instant gratification transfer portal kind of era to where sticking things out and the legacy things kind of what you leave behind in the school is not really talked about as much versus what the immediate future in the short term in the moment thing is so the fact that he does care about his legacy he wants to get retired he wants to be regarded like we talked about in the past him as a great teammate and someone to rely on it's cool that he made that a priority when making that decision and going through that journey.
0: Ken I don't know about you the biggest takeaway I had from that interview I would love to hear what uh, these text messages that go back and forth between some of these premier Sunbelt quarterbacks are.
1: Yeah, I think the quarterback community just from past days with quarterbacks I've been around, it's a tighter community than, you, than you'd than you think. They all kind of keep tabs on each other, keep up with each other, and they're all ultimately football junkies. So it's cool kind of hearing about that behind the curtain aspect of the quarterback relationships they get to build in these camps, obviously get to maintain through social media, and they all know that they're kind of rooting for each other as well as competing for each other as many have those NFL aspirations. So I think that quarterback community might be a tightening thing that we have to further get into as we keep going on with these player interviews.
0: Well, Kaden uh, Grayson McCall is going to play in a game tomorrow against an undefeated Georgia State team. We don't normally do these on Wednesday, but we've got a football game to preview in this one. Coastal Carolina taking on an undefeated Georgia State program. It's going to be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on national TV on ESPN1. Uh, Kaden, this is the first Sunbelt matchup of the season for both of these sides. The home team has wa- or lost all of the six previous meetings. GSU off to their best start in program history. They're led by Darren Granger, who leads the Sun Belt in total offense. Colesville coming off of a 59-point win over Duquesne to move to 2-1. Their leader is Grayson McCall, as we've talked about in this interview, three-time Sun Belt Player of the Year. Kane, the quarterback matchup in this game, it's tantalizing. You could make the argument that as of right now, Grayson McCall and Darren Granger are the top two quarterbacks in this league. Caden, these two guys are so interesting. Grayson McCall, obviously, his name has been buoyed by the amount of winning and and the brand that has become Coastal Carolina. We talked about it in the offseason. Darren Granger, on the other hand, his name isn't very well known. Fantastic stats, but this Georgia State team just has not done enough winning. It feels like that's changing this year. Darren Granger getting that national recognition. It's so interesting how big of a differentiator winning really is.
1: Oh, winning is everything. I think especially when you look specifically at the quarterback position in football at every level, I think it's interesting. You hear Nick Saban and guys talk about it to where the quarterback is the most reliant on other players' success, but then it goes both both ways for them. They also have to bring it up to the table and step up. And Coastal Carolina and what they have with Grayson McCall, they're obviously a little bit more thankful with some of their fortune as far as winning and the culture they've been able to build. And that's just a mutual system between Grayson kind of Immediately when he touched the scene in 2020, being that guy, being the best quarterback in the conference, arguably, as soon as he showed up and taking that program to new heights. And I think when you look at Darren Granger, it's a success story and it's a development story. This is a guy at Furman who started off at the FCS level, had to rely a lot more on his legs versus his arm, and then year after year, his couple years at Furman and his couple years at Georgia State, you see him continue to grow and build and as a passer. And I think it all culminated last season when we saw him have a career year. He was super efficient, just as effective with his arm as he was with his legs. And I think this season, it looks like he's taken that to an even new level. And now we're seeing this team be 3-0 and it kind of starts the rumblings and the questions of can Darren Granger possibly now this be the season with him looking like he's at the peak of his powers is this the season where maybe he elevates his team into the championship conversation he has them off that 3-0 and start I think his team has a ton of confidence in him and I think it's more of new confidence versus the old confidence of Grayson McCall so I think these are no debating I think if I had to watch two quarterbacks compete on any given Saturday in the Sun Belt, these are the two I'm watching. Just given the dual threat nature of them, their explosiveness, their abilities, and some of their weapons, we're going to talk about here coming up shortly. So I think if any Sun Belt fan hasn't tuned in on either of these quarterbacks, I've seen you. See, I'm sure you've seen Grayson McCall before, but if you haven't seen Darren, Darren Granger before. Thursday night's going to be the night where you want to tune in and see these two guys light it up.
0: Kaden, put your coach hat on for a second. If you were building a roster around a quarterback right now, who would you be going with?
1: Oh man. If I'm building one right now, I honestly have to go with Darren Granger. I think at the peak of his powers, and I think with his ability to add that element with his legs as well, I think that's something where we talked with Grayson McCall, he's gained a little bit of weight. He's not as dynamic in the running game as he used to be. But I think Darren Granger, just given his tools right now and what he has, if I need him to put on his Superman cape and elevate my team, I think right now he might be able to do that more so than a Grayson McCall, who we just haven't seen have limited weapons. We haven't seen him with an undermanned wide receiving core or an undermanned running back room or an offensive line that doesn't protect Well, we've seen Darren Granger in those situations, adapt, grow and be the quarterback he is now. So I think just from a grassroots on paper level of what these two guys have shown me, I'd probably have to go with Darren Granger, despite Grayson McCall's enormous success that he's achieved at Coastal Carolina.
0: Yeah, that's certainly a tough spot. I just put you in right there, Caden. Uh, let's talk about Georgia state's big play threats. Uh, You know, Georgia State, they've got Marcus Carroll at running back. He's the number three guy in terms of rushing yards per game in the entire NCAA. He's number one with seven touchdowns this year. You've got Robert Lewis, who leads the Sun Belt in receiving yards and touchdowns. He set a program record. And last week, Caden, if you're this Coastal Carolina team and Craig Niver, how are you game planning against some of the elite weapons in this conference?
1: Yeah, it's definitely tough, especially given this Georgia State team. I think when you look at their offense and their weapons and obviously the engine they have that starts everything with Darren Granger as the centerpiece, it's a tough one to stop. You have to defend the run with this team. Historically, the last couple years, Coach they want to pound the ball at georgia state that's what they do it's their identity and i think marcus carroll has definitely taken the torch past him as the next running back that's going to be that guy who gets a lot of touches is a guy who's going to wear on your defenses as we've talked about in the past when you get to that third and fourth quarter he's the kind of guy you get tired of having to tackle constantly and it starts to wear on you but then you add the element of the pass game with robert lewis and we saw it last season i think that it's just so hard to stop because you have to have numbers in the box to stop the run. And that can kind of lull you to sleep. This Georgia State offense, they're going to have times where they run straight into the line of scrimmage and it's just two yards. It's just three yards. There's nothing exciting. Maybe they'll, junk, they'll break off chunk yardage and get those first downs. But then as soon as you start getting caught slipping and get used to them running the ball methodically, that's when Robert Lewis is over the top a touchdown or a big play that's when Jamari Thrash, like last year is making those big explosive plays on play action and it seems like Darren Granger's deep ball accuracy has gotten better so I think with me if I was in the shoes of Craig Niver in this situation it's not a pick your poison situation you don't have to load up a bunch of people in the box and keep your outside guys exposed to those deep threats and vice versa you don't have to put a ton of you don't have to run out there with your nickel package anytime soon because you know this team's going to run the ball it's really about playing gap sound defense in the box not letting big plays eat you up there and making sure your defensive backs are kind of in the mindset that, hey, there's going to be a lot of run games and a lot of run action in this, but that's not where your eyes need to be. You need to be focused on these guys out wide that have shown they can be dangerous. Robert Lewis, as well as Talik Williams, have had fantastic starts to the season in the receiving game, and I think that's where the DBs just need to keep their responsibility on and let the guys in the box handle the run game.
0: Certainly easier said than done, Caden. Uh, Looking at Coastal Carolina, though, they've got some dynamic weapons of their own. You know, they've got Sam Pinckney, who's got a special connection to this game after playing the first four years of his career at Georgia State. He's Coastal's leading receiver through three games. Jared Brown was the Sunbelt Freshman of the Year last year. I thought it was interesting that Grayson McCall mentioned just seeing him work harder this offseason, and certainly I believe the results have shown uh, through three weeks this year. Caden, this Coastal group is going to be a problem on Thursday night.
1: They will be. And it's just I think when you look across the conference, if you're talking about between their running back positions and the wide receiver and of quarterback, of course, with Grayson McCall, it's really hard to deny the skill position talent and depth at Coastal Carolina right now. I mean, you throw in a new offensive coordinator and a new head coach who are bringing their new philosophies to the table. It's scary stuff when you talk about defensive coordinators having to prepare for this. They are familiar with the weaponry of this team, but they're not as familiar with the new scheme. And we've seen that in the last two games, not as much in the UCLA game, but we've seen it be effective. You talk about the stable of running backs with a Brandon Bennett, with a C.J. Beasley, with a Reese White. They have a ton of guys to throw at you. And right now this team, Jared Brown's their leading rusher just because he took an end-around play 77 yards to the house. So he's a guy you have to worry about every single play, no matter where he's where, lined up. And Jared Brown's the kind of player where if you're playing an offense and he's on just a pedestrian team, you're clued in on him every play and you're rolling your coverage to him. But now he's a guy that's also involved in the run game. And you have to deal with Sam Pinckney on the outside. So this team has a good combination of talent in different places to where you can't just worry about one guy. And the guy who's making those decisions almost always makes the right one. So I think as far as a task goes of taking on an offense, there's not many in the conference that go harder than facing this Coastal Carolina offense.
0: Caden, switching sides of the football, you and I spent the whole offseason talking about this Coastal defense and the need to improve. The one thing through three games, they are so much more opportunistic this year. Six interceptions through three games, nine interceptions all of last year. Four different guys, Isbell, Killen, Lusk, and Fletcher all have interceptions this year. They're giving up 70 yards less per game through the air this season early on this year. Caden, I really like the early returns for this Coastal Carolina secondary this year.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to watch because I think we've just seen both ends of the spectrum, seeing this team go up against a UCLA squad in Week 1. That's a very formidable opponent, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and then seeing two lesser opponents the last couple of weeks. So we've gotten a mixed bag of opponents for Coastal Carolina, but early on it does seem like their defense, particularly on the back end, has improved. We knew what to expect from that linebacking group. Shane Bruce and JT Killen, obviously killing things up front, kind of at the top of this team when it comes to tackles, also making some interceptions in the process. I know Killen took one to the crib, their last game but I think Clayton Isabel at the safety position has been a pleasant surprise for this team especially in the secondary has really become the leader of this team in that secondary you talk about his three interceptions in the UCLA game some of those are him making the most of opportunities and some of those are making him making opportunities out of themselves so I think he's also a guy who's come down and run support a lot for this team he has 15 tackles on the season so it looks like this team has improved but we're not going to really know until we see it in this game and going forward in Sunbelt Conference play. I know a lot of people have a lot of gripes with our power rankings on a week-to-week basis, and a lot of that has to do with only having to judge it based on these different opponents. Everyone plays different opponents. Every opponent has different offenses and defenses, but now that we're getting into Sunbelt Conference play and we're more familiar with who's going to be on the opposite side lining up from these teams, I think we'll get a true feeling of what this Coastal Carolina defense is this Thursday, probably more than any other game we've seen this year.
0: Yeah, Caden, I couldn't agree with you more on the gripes with the power rankings. Our mentions have uh, been blown up uh, since we launched those earlier this week. Caden, front seven for Georgia State. Georgia State's averaging nearly three sacks per game this year. They had four sacks, 10 TFLs versus Charlotte. Coastal's given up seven sacks through three games this year. You mentioned on Monday's episode that this group finally is looking like the team that we expected up front for Georgia State.
1: Yes, and it's very similar to Coastal Carolina's situation. People are talking about how this Georgia State team is undefeated, but they haven't played tough competition. Well, in week one, despite them playing Rhode Island, they did not look very good at all. We were having second guesses about this front seven that we felt so strongly about in the offseason. And then that first game, they're getting ran all over. They're giving up stuff in the air as well, just weren't good in coverage underneath. There's not a strong showing from them, but I think week after week, seeing improvement out of that unit is great. And really seeing their linebacking core take a step up is huge. But similar to Coastal Carolina in their situation, we're going to truly find out against this high-powered offense that they're playing. Definitely their best offensive opponent they've played this year as far as talent, scheme, all that jazz. And it's in a conference game. So we're going to see if the improvement, the steady improvement we've seen from the Georgia State team, can really come to fruition in this Sunbelt Conference game. But I really like what we've seen from that linebacking in like John Trey Hunter, who's leading the way. Tygie Leach even coming down from the safety position in his run-stopping role. And Kevin Swint being particularly effective, both off the edge as a pass rusher and really growing, I think, week after week in the run game, showing his comfort in this new scheme.
0: Well, Kaden, all we've got to do left in this matchup, let's make some picks, our first midweek picks of the year. Uh, Coastal Carolina, 6.5-point favorite over-under sitting at 63. How are you leaning here on the eve of this game?
1: Yeah, I know Georgia State has the hot hand, and it's definitely one that's enticing to go with, but I'm going to go with the veteran group of Coastal Carolina taking care of business and winning this game. I don't think they cover. I think this is a close one that comes down to the wire, but in those close games, I'm just going to rely on the team and the quarterback specifically that I've seen do it more, and I think... Just that UCLA game alone has made this team a little bit more battle-tested. I think they have a better idea of who they are versus this Georgia State team who's riding the the momentum that they've built against these lesser opponents. But I think they're going to have more of a reality check and have more of a shock, I think, than this Coastal Carolina team, who I think is a little bit more equipped for this moment, a little bit more built for this game. So I'm going to take Coastal Carolina winning. I do think Georgia State covers and keeps this one close. And I'm going to take the over on the points. I think both of these defenses still have a lot to prove, and these offenses have already shown they can do some damage.
0: Well, Caden, I am going in the exact opposite uh, direction as you. The only thing that we're going to agree on in this matchup is that I have these two teams uh, going over the 63-point total. I did, I, you know, talked on Monday's episode, thought about going to this game. I have decided to go, so I am planning on going and watching this game in person. Caden, uh, a quick note here. The home team has never won in this matchup. I think Georgia State's the hotter team right now. They're a little bit more balanced. You could make the argument that maybe even defensively they're better, so... I'm taking Georgia State, Kaden, in this first midweek game. What are your thoughts?
1: I don't mind it. That was very close to picking Georgia State, too. It, it, it enticed me. Don't get me wrong. I think this is a juicy matchup, and I think it could go either way, and that was, that's what makes me really excited about it. But I think we can both agree it's going to be a close one. I think that six-and-a-half-point spread is a tough one, just given the hotness of this team right now. So I think we both know it'll be a close game, and I think it'll come down to the wire. I'm not mad at your pick at all. I'm just excited to finally watch these two teams get after it.
0: Well, an exciting first midweek game in the Sun Belt this year. Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, ESPN uh, tomorrow evening. Make sure you tune in. Well, that's going to do it for another great episode of the and Smith Podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Coastal Carolina's Grayson McCall as well as Assistant Director Royce Donovan for helping make this interview happen. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Friday. We're going to discuss all the big games in the Sun Belt taking place in week four. We're also going to include a feature on our game of the week between the Marshall Thundering Herd hosting Virginia Tech. That'll do it for us here at the Frey and Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, drop us a five-star review before you go. Leave us five stars. Let us know what we can be doing better or what you love about the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.